We're delighted that you're here this morning. We appreciate the presence of every single one of you. And this is an exciting day in the ongoing history of the University Church of Christ because I have an abbreviated message prepared for this morning and the elders will be directing and leading us in the appointing of some men to the office of deacon this morning. And so Brother Ferris is going to be handling most of that and he'll be doing that in just a moment. Appreciate Ryan stepping in and leading singing for us this morning, although I don't know exactly how I feel about the fact that after I speak, he will be leading us in out of my bondage. <laughs> but uh, I love you anyway, Ryan, and thank you for, for using your talents in this way. A, a young boy's father was hospitalized with a very rare immune disease. The boy's father had to be quarantined in a sterile room 24 hours a day so that he would not be exposed to any bacteria, viruses, or pathogens of any kind. No one could visit the man unless they were professional medical personnel, and even then they had to go through extensive cleaning and a sterilization process in order to enter the man's room. The young boy, his son, was not allowed to enter his father's room under any circumstances. The doctors explained that even though he could put on a gown and a mask, it still wouldn't be safe for his dad. Even though the boy was healthy, he could still be carrying something deadly on his person. The boy, the boy longed desperately to be with his father. And one day he asked the doctor if there was any way possible that he could visit his father. And the doctor, really in an effort to gently discourage the boy, told him that in order for him to visit his dad... He'd have to change the way he lived his life. He couldn't go out and play at recess because of exposure to dirt, pollen, and allergens. He'd have to wear a surgical mask every day, even at school, so that he would not inadvertently inhale some airborne pathogen. He'd have to take his lunch every day so that he could sure, ensure that the food was free from disease and improper handling. He'd have to shave his head and bathe twice a day. He'd have to do it for months before he was able then to visit his father's room. And the boy looked straight in the doctor's eyes and said, Okay. For two months, he did everything that the doctors had required of him. At first, the kids at school laughed. At first, the teachers at school thought that it was sad that the little boy was trying so hard. But his love for his father overcame the laughter and the false pity and all the struggles that the little boy went through to meet all of these stringent regulations. And two months later, the boy's mom brought him to the hospital where the doctors and the nurses helped him through the rigorous sterilization process. The boy finally entered into his father's room for the first time in six months. Behind the mask and the shield, the boy smiled and then he cried and then he and then he hugged his father. The visit was way too short for the boy, but it was in his mind worth everything that he had done to prepare for it. And as the young boy prepared to leave the hospital, the doctor asked him if he was going to come back tomorrow. He was confused and stunned. He could be with his father again? The doctor told him as long as he was willing to continue living the life that he had led for the last two months, he could come back into his father's room anytime he wanted. Did the boy earn the right to be in his father's presence? Of course not. As his child, he had every right to be in his father's room. 
However, because the father couldn't allow anything unclean into his room, the boy had to prepare himself to enter, and that is exactly what he did. He made every choice with one goal in mind, how will this get me closer to my father's side? As Christians, we have every right to enter our father's presence. We've been made whole, we've been made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. And just like that healthy young boy, there is nothing innately inborn wrong with us. However, also like that boy, we're exposed to a corrupt and a very perverse world. And we don't seem to mind the smell or the sense or of the diseases upon us, but God does. And so like that boy, we must choose a different path. One that admittedly will limit our choices and restrict our options. One that will make us suddenly aware of the uncleanness not only around us, but the uncleanness within us. But the end is worth it. We get to be in the Father's presence. We get to live in fellowship with Him again. So as Christians, is a righteous life a misguided attempt to earn righteousness, to earn God's approval? Or is it a demonstration of our love for our God? And our sincere desire to be daily in his presence. I hope this morning that the latter of those two options is true of you. I hope that you serve God because of a sincere love that you have for him that that supersedes and permeates everything in your life. But I also hope that you appreciate that the Bible teaches that in order to enter the Father's presence, we need to be reconciled to his side. If you study the etymology of the word reconciled or reconciliation in Scripture, you know that it means literally to make friends again. And we can be friends with God. We can be again in His presence. If our faith causes us to believe that Jesus did everything that He said He did, and that He is who He claimed that He is, that is the Son of God, and that God will keep all of His promises. And if that faith will lead you to repentance in your life, to change your life just as this boy did, in order to be able to be qualified to be again in the Father's presence, to confess your belief that Jesus is God's Son, and then to have His blood wash all of those unclean things away from your life and out of your soul so that we're now reconciled to the side of God. If you've never done those things, you have a perfect and prime opportunity to do them right now while we stand, while we sing. May I ask my fellow elders to stand as I call your names. Chris Baker, Carl Cheatham, Scott Latham, Sam Long, Hugh Don Norris, Phil Norton, David Short. Brother Barry Buford and Brother Cecil May are out of town. You may be seated. By the instructions and example in Scripture, Acts chapter 20, verse 28, Titus chapter 1, 1 Timothy 3, the elders are charged with overseeing, feeding, and shepherding the flock. Also by instruction and example found in Scripture, deacons are to be selected and appointed to be responsible for specific duties under the oversight of the elders. The first occasion that we read of that 
and from which we draw example is found in Acts chapter 6, the first seven verses. In the university congregation, the men who have been serving and who will continue to serve are as follows. Please stand as I call your name. Alan Austin, Mike Barlow, Justin Bond, Scott Busby, Patrick Daly, Ray Dutton, Dwayne Eakin, Jason Graham, Mike Haynes, David Hillier, Jamie Horn, Jason Isbell, Dean Itson, Dennis Itson, Charles Knapp, Rob Lyle, Eric McGregor, Keith Mock, Philip Norton, David Phillips, Chuck Roberts, James Russell, Sam Wallace, Joey Wigington, Tommy Williams, Leon Willis. You may be seated. The elders have identified additional areas of service to the congregation for which we are today appointing deacons. Names of men to serve as deacons and whom we, the elders, believe meet the qualifications are set forth in Scripture, have been placed before you, having received no scriptural cause for which they should not serve. We today appoint them to those ministries. As I call each name, I ask these men to come forward and face the congregation. Randy Bailey, Todd Brenneman, Chris Brody, Shannon Clifton, Jim Forrester, Mitch Grubb, Gerald Jones, Dustin Jones, Kevin Long, Matt Morris, Ed Redmond, and Lance Tucker. These men, and I now will read their responsibilities, their ministries. Randy Bailey, New Member Orientation Ministry. Todd Brenneman, Education Programs Ministry. Chris Brody, Young Families Ministry. Shannon Clifton, Congregational Fellowships Ministry. Jim Forrester, Senior Servants Ministry. Mitch Grubb, Hispanic Children's Program Ministry, Gerald Jones, Middle Marriage Ministry, Dustin Jones, Visitation Ministry, Kevin Long, Young Families Ministry, Matt Morris, Visitation Ministry, Ed Redmond, Youth Ministry, and Lance Tucker, Family Circles Ministry. The qualifications for a deacon may be found in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. Please follow along as I read. I will be reading from the New English Standard Version. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. <clears throat> Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, 
not addicted to much wine, not greedy of dishonest gain. They must hold the ministry of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, not, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Jesus Christ. It is the conviction of this eldership and by the response of our congregation, it is our belief that the men placed and that stand before you meet those qualifications and are accepted to serve. I now ask each of you men to listen carefully as I read the following statement and then please answer. Do you accept the appointment to serve as deacons in this congregation and commit that you will faithfully endeavor to discharge the duties thereof, to administer to the needs of the body of the university congregation, each within your ministries, thus furthering the cause of Christ? Inasmuch as you have declared your willingness to serve as deacons in our congregation and to faithfully discharge the duties thereof, you are recognized as deacons of our congregation. May you show yourselves to be men of God, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. At this time, I'm going to ask Brother Sam Long, one of our elders, to come and lead us in a word of prayer. Holy and righteous Father, we thank you for such a great day as today. We're thankful, Father, for your son Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, the hope that we have in him. We're thankful, Father, for the church, the symbols here from time to time, each family each member of it. Bless us, Holy Father. We're thankful, Father, for these men who are willing to use their time and talent in the work of a deacon, for their abilities to do that assigned task. Bless them, Father. Bless them in a way that we might grow both physically and spiritually. We're thankful for their families. We're thankful, Father, for these men who have been proven and been found blameless. Bless them in your service. We ask in Jesus' name, and amen. As a demonstration of the accepted and support of our congregation, I'm going to ask now that the following men, their families, assemble in the East Foyer. 
They are as follows. So the congregation may greet them. Then I'm going to read the names of the remaining so that they and their families can go to the West Foyer and be greeted by the congregation. And tonight we will reverse that order so that everyone will have a chance and an opportunity to visit with each of these families and congratulate them. The following families, please, men, go to the East Foyer. Randy Bailey, at this time you may go. Todd Brenneman, Chris Brody, Shannon Clifton, Jim Forrester, and Mitch Grubb. And the rest may go to the West Foyer. With your families, please. While they are making their way to the foyer, may I also make this special note. An updated Ministry of Love directory will be published soon, which will list each of the 53 ministries, ministry leaders of the university congregation. And that will be made available in the very near future. At this time, shall we stand for our closing song and our closing prayer? <laughs> 